Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. Orb spiders are summoned for protection in Waterfall Bay. This is the new book. It's out in stores right now, written by Donna A. Bennett. And I'm really happy to be talking with her all about it right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Donna, thanks for joining me here. Well, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. What are readers in store for with Orb Spiders or Summoned for Protection in Waterfall Bay? I love this title. Well, they're in store for a good planetary book about the quest of the orbs. Orbs are a source of energy for the planet, lifeline. The story takes you into a wise water lily. The water lily's name is Hazel and a butterfly named Maya, along with a little girl who discovers a library. She takes a book out of that library and goes home, and it teleports her into a place called Waterfall Bay. And this is where the story begins. It's a lot of twists and turns. It's just so amazing to see so many characters in the story that takes place in Waterfall Bay. So I'm curious how you got the idea for this story. It's so adventurous. Well, during the pandemic, I self-published a small book, piece of work, and that book was called The Amazonica and the Majestic Fight for the Orbs of Life. And then I decided why not expand it and make a bigger version of that book to be published by Fulton Publisher. Hmm. What are the chances we'll be seeing a follow-up or maybe another book from you in the future? Right now, I am working on another book. Fantastic. Was this one something that took you a long time to write and get through the publishing process? No, it only took me about seven months to write this book because I had the idea already through the self-published piece that I worked a small piece. So I had developed the characters and I just knew exactly what I wanted to say in the story. And I put myself right in the story that made it so adventurous and exciting to write. Donna, before you had written the first version of the story, have you ever written or published before? No, never. Well, congratulations. So exciting to get that first book out there. Now, what was that moment like, Donna, whenever you finally got that first hard copy in your hands, you got to hold it and look at it for the first time? Well, the first time I received the book and had it in my hand, it was so exciting. I was, it was so gratifying. And I felt the biggest accomplishment that I could give myself because writing has always been my greatest passion. Mm -hmm. What would you say is the most rewarding aspect now for you of being a published author? I think the most rewarding aspect was knowing that I could complete something that I enjoyed doing. I loved writing and telling stories and seeing it come to life. That was very satisfying. Donna, so many people listening to us right now are authors who are just starting out. They want to get their message out there. They want to publish their first book. And you, having published now for the first time, I'm sure you learned a lot along the way. So do you have any advice that you could offer to these aspiring authors? My advice would be to tell them to make it your journey when you write. Get into your story, depending on what type of book you set out to write. 
keep going. Some days you feel like you have nothing to put on your paper, but that's okay. Just embrace the joy of writing. And most of us writers do get that writer's block sometimes, Donna. What do you do whenever you sit down, you're inspired to write, but the words aren't coming out? How do you get through something like that? What I do is I do some research. I do some research. Mm. With the research, you can put those things into your book after you understand more about what you're writing about. You can find some little tidbits that you can research to open your book a little bit more. Donna, did you have people in your life who knew that you were taking this on and they could be there to help motivate and encourage and inspire you along the way? Well, I tell you, my mother always inspired me ever since I was a little girl because I used to write poems back then. Mm. And she's not here to know what I've accomplished, but my inspiration has come from my mother and my children, of course. My son and my daughter and son-in-law have been so encouraging and telling me to go ahead and knock this one out. Do this one. Put your poems aside and just make it a book. I think a lot of people are really going to enjoy this book and should check it out. The title is Orb Spiders Are Summoned for Protection in Waterfall Bay. This is written by Donna A. Bennett and is published by Fulton Books. You can grab this one up everywhere like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and Google Play and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Donna, thanks again for joining me here on the show and telling me about your work. I had a really nice time chatting. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Corey, for having me. There's a new book out in stores right now by Frank A. Stuck. The title is The Treasure, and I'm really happy that Frank's sitting with me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable to tell me all about it. Frank, thanks for joining me tonight. Well, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Can you tell me all about The Treasure? The idea of The Treasure is obviously something that is desirable, something worthwhile that someone wants to attain. And the way everything worked out in the book is the treasure is actually buried within that person. Interesting. What gave you the idea for this? Well, I'm a Freemason, and there is a degree that's based on a Civil War scene. There's a monument at Gettysburg that is titled Friend and Brother. And there's a degree within the Masonic fraternity that uses that theme and how Masonry can help heal the wounds of the country from that Civil War era. And when I started writing the book, it was just the division within the country just kept eating at me. And I kept thinking, there's got to be a way of bringing that idea out into the public. So I started writing the book. Who do you think would be really into the treasure, Frank? What was your target audience? I guess primarily Masons, but I have had some people who have read the book that are not Masons, and they have been very surprised at some of the things that they have learned about Freemasonry from the book. Is this the first time you've been published or written a book, Frank? Yes. It's my first attempt. Congratulations. It's out there now for the world. Did this take you a long time? It took about two years total for me to write it. Of course, that's with going back and doing editing and things of that nature. But yeah, it took about two years. After two years then, what was it like to get that first hard copy and hold it in your hands? (laughs) 
That was fantastic. There's a picture of me posted on my website. It shows a smile that's on my face that I don't think a plastic surgeon could remove. (laughs) It was just a great, great feeling. I'm sure you learned a lot along the way being your first time published. So, Frank, what advice would you have to people who are just about to embark on that same journey? I would say it would be a piece of advice that was given to me while I was writing. And I got to a spot where I was having some difficulty. And one of the people that I had talked with had said, don't worry about it, just write. Mm. Let the story write itself, but you need to write. And I also recently read a quote that was attributed to Stephen King, who said, don't worry about writing right just write Mm. make it right later it's great advice yeah yeah so frank what are the chances that we'll be seeing more writing and publishing from you in the future well yeah i am working on another book right now it's also going to be masonically themed but the stories are actually fictional stories but i like to try to include some historical facts Now that you're published for the first time, your work is out there for the world, Frank. What's the most rewarding aspect for you of being a published author now? Just knowing that I'm actually reaching people to make a difference in their lives. Mm. I'm a retired physical therapist, and that work as a physical therapist was so rewarding for me because I actually saw the difference that I was making in people's lives, difference to the good. You know, now that people are reading some of my work and they're saying, you know, I didn't know this, this is really nice, that's really a big boost for me. The title of the book is The Treasure, and it's written by Frank A. Stuck, and you can find this everywhere, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes. This is published by Covenant Books. Well, Frank, thank you again for joining me here tonight and telling me about the treasure and all about your work. I hope we can talk again sometime. Thank you. I appreciate that, and I look forward to it. This book looks to help readers become more in tune with God. It's titled, God Speaks, To Me, Through Me, For Me. It's written by Junior A. Rhodes, and Junior is right here with me now to chat with me all about it. Junior, thank you for being here. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, sir. It's my pleasure. Can you tell me what readers are in store for in God Speaks? Well, readers are in store for a wonderful read. Each person will understand that God speaks directly to us individually. And that is something that I would want my readers to understand because especially in our day when there is so much noise in terms of quote-unquote that God speaks to this person, this huge character, as though the ordinary regular Christian unbeliever, God doesn't speak to them. You have to have a title. You have to have this or that for God to speak to you. Mm -hmm. But my book will point that out that God has been speaking from creation. God still speaks to us in so so many different ways. He speaks to dream both the converted and to the unconverted person. Did you have a certain group of readers in mind that you were writing to, or was this more of a general audience? It's a general audience, both to the Christian and non-Christian group. And about how long were you working on this, Junior? Did this take you a long time to write and then get published? 
I've been thinking about it and putting my thoughts together for over a year. And in terms of writing, it took almost a couple months to write the book because I've been writing down my thoughts and putting my thoughts. And then I'm the kind of writer that once I begin to write and things begin to flow, I just continue to flow into the work. What was that inspiration that started you writing? What gave you the idea to start putting your thoughts down and then making a book? I was in prayer one day, and it was my morning devotion. And I was really talking to God in terms of hearing from him, speaking and speaking to my congregation. Hmm. And uh, that thought just came to me. God speaks, and he speaks to me, through me, for me. So God will speak directly to that individual. And whatever he wishes to say to you, he will speak to you. Mm. I needed to speak to my congregation also and for them to understand. I wanted to connect with them and bring that word across, a fresh word across. And that morning, that word came to me. So it's, it's really out of that experience. And then I shared it with my congregation. And after that, I just maintain that thought that I have to go. I have to share this with the world, not just a small audience. Mm. Junior, is this your first published work? Yes. Congratulations. What was that like the day you got the first hard copy of God Speaks and you got to hold it and look at it for the first time? What was that like? It was just an amazing experience. Mm. Just an experience that to hold something tangible, you understand me, the cover of it is just beautiful. And then just to begin to read my own work, that was an experience I'll never forget. Mm. Can we expect more books from you then in the future? Most definitely. Most definitely. I have something working through. I like to work things through before I start writing. That's just how I am. A lot of hard work, a lot of energy goes into something like writing and publishing a book, as you well know, Junior. So for you, what's the most rewarding aspect of it all? The most rewarding is that I have something. I gave my granddaughter, I have an eight-year-old granddaughter, I have 11 grandkids. Wow. I gave her one of the first books, mm. first set of books that reached my hand. I gave it to her. I want to leave something tangible with my grandkids and other people. I know a lot of people are going to be blessed by this book. The title is God Speaks, To Me, Through Me, For Me. It's written by Junior A. Rhodes, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can pick this up everywhere, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Junior, thank you again for being here on the show and telling me all about your work. I hope we can speak again soon. Thank you so much, and the Lord bless you. Have a wonderful day. The Connection is the new book out in stores right now. It's written by Ramona Colma, and Ramona Rowe, the author, is right here with me now to tell me all about it. Rowe, thank you for joining me here tonight. You're very welcome. Can you tell me what readers can expect in The Connection? Well, it's based on fiction and nonfiction. And it's pretty much based on how our connection has been broken through choices we made and through sin itself and how Christ through years and years are trying to reach us and connect us back to him. Hmm. Ro, who were you writing to in this? What was your target audience? 
<laughs> to be honest, I wasn't really writing to anybody. I was just writing down thoughts and stuff. Things came to me. I couldn't write unless God was speaking to me. I, it took me forever. And when I would show my friends about things, they would say, you need to do something about that. And I'm like, well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just the dust in the universe. I'm just a speck. So I really didn't think it would come to much. Well, it certainly did. Publishing a book is certainly something huge. Have you ever done anything like this before? Absolutely not. I was raised in the ghetto. <laughs> Do you think we can see more books from you then in the future? Well, it's funny that you ask because, you know, I was listening to a sermon a few years ago and something stood out to me and I thought, hey, that would be good. That would be a good title. <laughs> so I jotted it down and I thought, let's see where this goes. And then I talked to my sister. She says, you know what? You can do another one after that. So I'm working on another one that's almost, that goes with that. It's called The Exchange. And after that, it's going to be The Promise. But like I said, I can't write unless something comes to me. Mm. I just can't. I'm not a reader. You know, I don't, I, honest to God, I don't like to read. The book has to be interesting and start out really well. Mm. So for me to actually do something like this, it's very time consuming and I don't like to sit still. <laughs> but here I am. <laughs> Yeah, like you said, a lot of time and hard work went into this. What was the most rewarding aspect now for you of being a published author, having this work out there for the world? Well, I guess I'll find that out as I see the reviews. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, because, you know, when I started this out years ago, I, like I said, I never expected it to get to this point at all. It was just something I was playing with, and it just took off. Most of what I've written has been by cell phone. Wow. Yeah, I have gone through losing my house. I still do not have a home. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm actually talking to you in my car at a park on oh. my cell phone because I'm sitting there going, Lord, I know you got a home up there for me somewhere. <laughs> and I know there's something here until you come. But until then, I will just, you know, I work full time and I just go with it. And it just is taking a lot. So that's why it's taken so long, too. Totally understandable. Although a lot of our listeners right now are people who are just starting out in the writing thing. They're novice authors. Do you have any advice that you could offer them? Listen to the Holy Spirit. Pray. Let God guide you. That's the only thing I can, you know, and get ideas from people, you know. The next one that I am working on, I told my sisters, hey, how about we do it this way? I said, I need a poem after the end of each chapter. Hmm. I said, this is what it's about. This is what I'd like you to do. So I encourage them to help me in it because sometimes I just don't have the time, not in my schedule. Ramona, when it comes to the cover design, it's something that can be tricky. Can you tell me how you came about your cover? Well, my youngest granddaughter was having trouble with English. She was doing her high school and her college together. And she said, Grandma, you do well in English. Could you come and help me? And I said, absolutely, honey, but I need your help too. So she's good with computers. So I told her about the book and I said, why don't you do the design on the book for me? Mm. I don't know how to tweak it. I don't know how to go about doing all that. So she would come with several different copies. And I said, well, let's do this. Can we do it this way? And so she'd go back and she'd change it. And yeah, she did all the designing of the cover and everything for me. She's amazing. She's amazing. <laughs> well, I know a lot of our listeners are going to want to check this book out. The title is The Connection. It's written by Ramona Colma and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can pick this one up anywhere, like at Amazon and at Barnes & Noble and at iTunes and at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Ro, thank you again for joining me and telling me all about the connection and about your work. I hope we can talk again sometime. All right. Well, I look forward to it. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. 
sitting down with me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Randy Bowen. Randy, thank you for being here with me. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure to have you here. Congratulations on having a new book out in stores right now. It's called Give, Live, Save, The First Three Disciplines Needed to Win in Your Finances. Can you tell me what readers can expect here? The book is about the three disciplines. It starts with give because giving forces you to live on less than you make. It kind of shakes up the system in your finances. Mm. And once you can kind of learn to live on less than you make, that translates to all other areas of your finances. It also helps you become more content because when you give first, you become more outward focused and you stop comparing. When you stop comparing, I found that when people compare more, they often consume more. And then the second big discipline is live, which is all about taking care of your family first. And there's a lot of shame when it comes to making sure that all your creditors are paid for first and all that, because they really, really, really guilt you into making you feel like you have to pay them first. But your family is your biggest support system. So we need to learn how to make sure that they stay our top priority so they can be our biggest asset when it comes to winning in our finances. And then saving is all about the protection of our current situations by having some money to cover emergencies and planning a little bit for the future. So yeah, that's what they can expect. I think a lot of people are going to be able to use this book. Were you writing for a specific audience? When I started writing this book, I wrote it so that everyone could take something away from it. Mm. But if you wanted to dig down into who I found could be the most, this book could be the most useful for, it would be the people living paycheck to paycheck and are just sick and tired of hearing get rich quick schemes. Mm. They want real advice that will help them take the next steps for themselves to get their finances in order. Randy, how did this book come about? How'd you get the idea to write this? Honestly, it started as a speech. Hmm. I wrote it thinking that these concepts would do really, really good as just a simple speech. But when your speech turns into 20 pages, then 30 pages, then 40 pages, (laughs) then it started to kind of shift my focus and be like, oh, this is actually a book. So then I just kind of carried on in that direction. Did Give, Live, Save take you a long time to complete? It took me about three years from the concept of the book to actually being put on the market. It was about three years. Have you ever done anything like this before when it comes to writing a book or being published? No, this is brand new to me. I have I never dreamed of being a writer. In fact, I often swore off when people are like, oh, you should write. No, I shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Randy, do you have advice now for those listening who are just about to embark on the journey of writing and publishing their first book? When it comes to me myself, like I don't, I don't find myself as like the best competent writer. And I know that there's a lot of authors who think the same. They think that they're not competent enough to write a book or write a blog or write any of that. They just don't. And I think that's a shame because I think that people need to hear what they have to write about. And it's not really up to you to decide if your content is good enough to be released. It's up to the audience to kind of judge for that. So I'll just say that being as I never intended to write anything, and then all of a sudden I have a book out there, like you can do it too. There's more competent writers out there than me, for sure. 
You got to tell me, Randy, about when you got that first physical copy in your hands, you got to hold it for the first time. What was that moment like? It was really exciting. I did a video right after I received my first copy, but then it got really scared. <laughs> I got really scared because it's a big deal getting that because now your book is just moments away from being put on the market kind of thing. And now you feel like everyone's about to judge what you've written. So it's scary, but it's also very exciting. So it's very exciting to get my first copy for sure. Well, the message in this book is definitely important. I think a lot of people are going to want to read it. This is called Give, Live, Save, the first three disciplines needed to win in your finances. It's written by Randy Bowen, and it's published by Fulton Books. You can find it everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Randy, I really appreciate you coming on the show and chatting with me here tonight. I had a really good time. Thank you. I'm really delighted right now to be speaking with author Brenda Bell here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Brenda, thank you so much for joining me here today. Oh, thank you for having me. Well, it's my pleasure to have you. I'm really excited to see that you have a new book in stores now. It's titled, He Has Given Us the Kingdom, Authority in the Unseen Realm. Can you tell me all about the book? Well, this book is about the kingdom that Jesus came to set up and the authority that he gave us to function in it. It seems that most of what he taught was concerning the kingdom, and he told his disciples that he had come to give them the mysteries of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And most of his teaching explains these mysteries, and he explained to them how things are going to change, and he was about to defeat Satan and turn the authority over to them because in the beginning, Adam and Eve turned the authority over to Satan in the garden. And so Satan actually had authority over the earth at this time when Jesus came, but he came to destroy the works of the devil and turn it over to his followers. And he even compared it to a man going into a far country and leaving his servants in charge. And he said that they were going to be better off because of this, because he was giving them the Holy Spirit to go along with them and to help them, and that he would give them the keys to this kingdom and whatever they, they were going to have the authority to do whatever they wanted to do, that he would back them up, whatever they bound or disallowed, that he would back them up his power from heaven because he was giving them the authority to do it, but he was going to back it up with his power. Mm. And it's about using this book and our authority and speaking our faith-filled words and seeing things change in the situations in our life. Most people have not been taught that they have this authority. They just think whatever will be, will be, and they just try to deal with it. But I believe that Jesus came to teach us that we have the authority to control our situations and our circumstances. And the book goes back to the beginning, actually, when the king was born. And I explained the rights of the king's family and how monarchs are created. And I have chapters on the ambassador, the rights that an ambassador has when they go into a foreign country because they actually don't operate under the laws of the country they're in. 
they operate in the laws of the country that they're sent from, Mm -hmm. which is what we do. We operate from the authority of God and heaven, and we don't have to succumb to the things that try to overtake us in this life. And there's just a lot of people that have the ability to change their situation, but they don't know. They have never been taught. Mm -hmm. Brenda, what inspired you to write this? What gave you the idea for He Has Given Us the Kingdom? Well, I don't really know. I study a lot, and I write a lot of notes, but they don't all become books. But sometimes the Holy Spirit would just press something on my mind as I'm reading, maybe a word that I've never thought about before. And then I'll remember that, oh, I've wrote about that somewhere, and I'll look it up. And then he just leads me from there. The first book I wrote, I was on a business trip in El Salvador and would go out in the mornings because those people kind of tend to sleep late and I don't. Mm. And I would start writing and the content would come to me so fast that I couldn't hardly write it down fast enough. Mm. And sometimes I wouldn't even know what I was writing until I saw it come off the end of my pen. And it's just an inspiration that I have that it just comes. And that book came in two weeks. This one took a lot longer. (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of people are going to be blessed by this book. It's titled, He Has Given Us the Kingdom, Authority in the Unseen Realm. It's written by Brenda Bell, and it's published by Covenant Books. You can find it everywhere, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Brenda, thank you again for joining me here and telling me all about your work. I had a really nice time. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me. Finding Washington, Why America Needs to Rediscover the Virtues of Her Most Essential Founding Father. This is the name of the new book written by Richard Raines, and I'm really happy to be talking with him about it right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Richard, thank you for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me, Corey. That's well, my pleasure. Can you tell me about what readers can expect in Finding Washington? Absolutely. Finding Washington is really about uncovering pivotal moments in the life of George Washington, and in those moments, uncovering various virtues that he displayed. So the book is really about making an argument for why we need a revival of virtue in our culture. And I use George Washington to both highlight the various virtues that I think we need to display. And then I make an argument for how we can revive those virtues in politics and business and uh, our communities and things like that. So it's not it's nonfiction history, but it's also about our culture. Hmm. Richard, what kind of readers do you think would be most into this? That's a great question. I think it appeals to primarily folks who understand that we have an issue with declining morals in our culture who are interested in addressing those, but perhaps they feel like they can't make individual contributions towards reviving virtue because you know, they're not in politics or they're not influencers in any way. And so this book is for anyone interested in reviving morality and reviving virtue, people who are interested in history and perhaps learning some things about George Washington that even as a historian, I didn't know. Hmm. So I've always known I've had a book in me. I just wanted to take my time and figure out what it wanted to be about. Earlier in my career, I was involved in politics, so I have quite an interest in political discussions of the day. And after one of our elections, national elections, as an evangelical Christian, it became clear to me that my values and my virtues, the things that I hold dear, were being left behind. Mm. 
I teach theology and Christian history, and so it was really natural for me to look back in our history to find maybe those people or that person that could help inspire us, and that led me to George Washington. And the more I learned about Washington, the more I realized that for a hundred years after his death, he remained the epitome of what Americans thought was the standard for virtue and character, and so I wanted to revive that story about Washington. Richard, how long were you working on this altogether from when you first sat down to write it until it came out in stores? So I sat down in 2020 during COVID. Like a lot of people, I tried to find something to occupy my time. Mm. took me about six months to write the book. And then, Corey, I sat on it for six months before I sought out a publisher and then decided to self-publish, found a good publisher that I thought really embraced the vision for the book. And it's been out for a few months now. So is this your first time going through the whole publishing thing then? It's my first time publishing a book. I've done a lot of freelance writing through my career, but this is my first book. Yeah, publishing sure can be a learning process. What advice would you have for people who are looking to embark on that journey too? Yeah, good question. I would say, first of all, start writing. No one's putting a deadline on you if you haven't published a book, so start writing. I would say, you know, when you get that final copy, don't choose a publisher out of desperation choose a publisher that embraces your vision for the book. This is your book and your story and whatever you're wanting to say. And I would say be patient in the process, but be firm on those issues that you think protect the vision you have for the book. And I would say beyond that, understand that publishing a book is the easiest part of the process. After that, you have to sell it. And that requires sometimes an entirely new set of skills and frankly, skills sometimes authors aren't as familiar with. So familiarize yourself with getting in front of audiences, getting on podcasts and selling the book. That's something I think a lot of beginners don't realize is you really do have to wear a lot of hats when you write and publish a book. You're not just writing the book. You also have to sell the book. You have to figure out what it's going to physically look like. There's so much more work that goes into it. That's right. And choosing a good publisher, Christian Faith Publishing published this book for me. And one of the things that I point to to other potential writers fairly often is that the scariest thing for me was that they were going to give me options for the book that I wasn't happy with. But every step of the way, they were very helpful. And when they presented me with their first option for a cover, I didn't even look for a second option. It was so good. So I was very fortunate to, to find a publisher that embraced my vision for the book. I know a lot of people are going to be interested in this book and ought to check it out. The title is Finding Washington, Why America Needs to Rediscover the Virtues of Her Most Essential Founding Father. This is written by Richard Raines, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, everywhere. Richard, thanks again for joining me here tonight and telling me about your work. I hope we can talk again sometime. Yeah, thanks for having me, Corey. Decisions we have to make in the later stages of life can be difficult, and author Jennifer Zellin's new book, The Conversations of Palliative Care, Autonomy and Self-Determination Until the End, addresses these challenges. Jennifer's right here with me now. We're going to talk all about it. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Can you tell me about this book? This book is intended for anybody really to be able to pick up and read it, and it helps to open the door of discussion for sometimes uncomfortable things that we know we need to talk about but don't always talk about. Mm. It really describes what palliative care is versus hospice and how it can support somebody no matter how old they are or what disease processes they might have and really just point out conversations to determine what is your idea of a quality of life 
as people get older or sicker? And what kind of medical treatments would you want to accept based on what it'll look like to you day to day? Sounds like a great book, Jennifer. How did you get the idea to write this and publish this? Well, (laughs) from 30 years plus of being a, a nurse, I would see people that were asked to make really difficult decisions and families, and they may not have any idea that any of these choices would come up in the future. They wouldn't know how they might pay for the extra support somebody might need, like in the case of somebody with dementia. That person is no longer able to contribute to decision-making. And just many years of seeing this and the frustration and fear, I've been a hospice nurse a little over 15 years and recognize that between the hospital and hospice, there's this whole gray area where people were not being supported medically or educationally to know what was normal, so what was wrong with them, how does it look as it gets worse. What kind of help would they need? What kind of symptoms might they experience? So it really comes from the hands-on frustration that I've seen people go through that really is unnecessary. Mm. Jennifer, when it comes to writing and publishing, are you new to this or have you done it before? This is my first book. I did have an article published about palliative care during a pandemic because of the social isolation that everybody was experiencing being afraid to go to the hospital for treatment. Mm. And so this was just another way to support these people within the community and ensure that they're feeling okay and kind of triage if they really did need to go to the hospital or not. Well, this is such great work you're doing. Did this book take you a long time once you got the idea and you sat down and started writing it? Was that a long process? In spurts, it mm. seems. Because of my experiences, What I wanted to put down on paper was pretty easy, but determining what chapters to include, how to word it, it's a very different approach writing this than a scientific article. But I wanted it to be entirely relatable to anybody who might pick it up and say, this is something I think I could benefit from or my family could benefit from. How do I find it? What should it look like? So it took about a year and a few months to actually get it all down and refined. Hmm. Have you given thought to writing another and publishing more here in the future? I would like to. Right. This book has a few case studies in it and different scenarios and would describe how somebody, say, with dementia would benefit from palliative care or prenatal devastating diagnosis and how that family decided what they were going to do, what made sense. Somebody who was a widow living far from her family and really just being overwhelmed with their own health issues and helping that person with heart and kidney problems, what did that look like? So I think more case studies would be applicable to people maybe with lung problems or cancer or something like that, where they just need to have a heads up and a sounding board, somebody to fill in all the pieces besides their specialist and has the time really to be able to sit down. In doctor's offices, you know, they might have 15 minutes or a half an hour, but some of these conversations, especially with families, can take an hour or two and then the repeat conversations. Well, this is a really important book, and I think a lot of people are going to be helped out and encouraged by it. It's called The Conversations of Palliative Care, Autonomy and Self-Determination Until the End. This is written by Jennifer Zellin, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere, of course, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. 
Jennifer, it's been a real pleasure here having you on the show. Thank you for your hard work and your care for others. I hope we can speak again sometime. I would love it. Thank you so much for having me. There's a new novel out right now by Dean Breyer. It's the second book in the Sect of the Healed Chronicles series. It's titled The Soth Initiative, Book Two, Fallout. Dean is sitting right here with me now to tell me all about it. Dean, welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I look forward to our conversation today. As do I. Can you tell me what readers can expect in this book? Well, I try to describe the series as a cross between Dan Brown and Frank Peretti. Hmm. My style of writing is what I call what-if fiction, meaning that we combine a lot of historical, archaeological facts as we travel around the world in this roller coaster ride. But we also put a lot of fiction in that lets people ask themselves, I wonder if that's really true. So I enjoy that kind of style of writing. Where did the inspiration or the idea for this come from? Corey, it was amazing. It just came to me one day. I was thinking in my quiet time about how interesting it might be if there were still relatives of the people Jesus healed. And, you know, would they have the story passed down family to family of the miracle that happened when their relative was healed? And then the thought came to me, I think it was from God, that what if those people were changed when Jesus touched them? What if their DNA was altered because of the miraculous healing? Some people even being raised from the dead. Would that DNA change be passed down to family members? And if it was, would that create some special gifts and talents that they might use? And so from that little seed of an idea, the book series was created, and it was just a roller coaster ride after that. I love the idea. Like you said, there are a lot of different things in the mix here. So what kinds of readers do you think would really be into this? Well, I think readers that want a kind of a chase around the world action book series with a redemptive thread running through it would be really interested in this. It's not a theology book, but it's not a, you know, R-rated book. It's a book that includes assassins and murder attempts and plot twists all through the book. It has a lot of action that is in real towns and real cities and real archaeological places, but it's coupled with that redemptive theme for all the people that are involved in the book. Dean, about how much time does it take to write and publish a book like Fallout? Well, it depends on the process. You know, the more accuracy that you want in giving the readers a content that creates interest and also lets them go on the Google search net and maybe find some of the places that are talked about, Mm. it takes time to research that. I think one of the challenges is when you're working full time to have the time or make the time to get in the writing mode or the writing mood is a real big challenge. So book one was written when I was actually between jobs and then book two was finished during COVID. Hmm. It's interesting. I actually wrote a world pandemic in the book two, four months before it was announced. It just kind of came to me in book two. Wow. Now, before you took on the sect of the Healed Chronicles writing this series, Dean, have you ever done anything like this before? No, I've been a writer for years. I've written a lot of studies and blogs and taught in a lot of different venues as a 
medical device distributor. I've had to teach doctors how to do surgery. And so you learn a lot when you're teaching and when you're studying and writing outlines, you learn structure and content. But no, I've never been involved in writing a book where I had to keep the characters in order and the timelines in order and the whole process. And that's why I think that was really inspirational because the books kind of flowed out of me. And that whole process of plot development and character development just kind of came out of me naturally. Mm. How far out do you have this series planned, Dean? Well, I'm currently working on book three, and I want to see where it goes from there. So my plans are to complete book three sometime in the fall and be able to offer that to people for their wintertime reading. I think a lot of readers are going to love this book and this whole series. It's titled The Soth Initiative, Book Two, Fallout. It's part of the Sect of the Healed Chronicles series, and it's written by Dean Breyer. This is published by Christian Faith Publishing, and it's available everywhere, Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Dean, I really appreciate you being on the show here tonight and telling me all about your work. I hope we can talk again. Thank you. I look forward to it. You can also go to my website, which is simply deanbriar.com, and you can download a sample of the book there. You can look at the awards the book has gotten there. You can read the blog that I've written there and get to know me a little bit better. So it's just deanbriar.com, and that'll get you there. Author Stephanie Arrington has written an encouraging new book. It's out in stores right now. The title is Process for Purpose, Volume 1, and Stephanie is joining me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable to talk all about it. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Yes, you're welcome. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to have you here. Can you tell me all about Process for Purpose? Well, Processes for Purpose is really about my personal account of deliverance when I allowed the Holy Spirit to do a work in me. Hmm. And in my book, I express what was and still is required of me to walk in the path that God has purposed for me. I also emphasize that in order to reach your God-given destiny, you have to go through a process. And I truly believe that this process will bring about a drastic change in your life and the life that you were designed to live and your purpose in your life. Stephanie, how are you inspired to write this? What gave you the idea to write out your story and tell it to the world? Well, because I am a minister and I am in ministry, and it was part of the call that I have on my life, what inspired me was my life experiences and knowing that I have seen a lot of people experiencing similar things that I have experienced. And I believe that, you know, I wrote this book because I want to help others understand their process and also have an impact on other people's lives as well. Hmm. Were there specific readers that you were reaching out to with this? Well, basically it's for all readers, but being that my focus in ministry is women and women who are hurting from whether it's childhood hurts, past traumas, any type of things they have went through, and be able to minister to them to bring healing in their lives. And through my experiences, I believe my experience will speak to others that have went through similar experiences as I have. Stephanie, was this a book that took you a long time to write and put through the publishing process? Yes. 
funny you ask that because my book was written years. The manuscript was written, but was not published until maybe five years later. Hmm. And when you finally got that first copy then in your hands after all that time, Stephanie, what was that moment like for you? I could breathe. And it was a sense of fulfillment because Mm. I finally finished it because it was a struggle because reliving past experiences, it seemed like you're going through those experiences again. Mm. Have you ever written or published a book before this, Stephanie, or is this your first one? No, it's not. Well, this was my first book that I did a manuscript on. My first book that I published was self-published. And I was encouraged to publish it by my literary agent years ago with Christian faith publishers. It was just a pamphlet that I created through my research that I would give to people. I only gave two people in my lifetime, the Talit, the prayer shawl. So I created like a booklet to go along with it. And it's called Talit, prayer shawl. It's about prayer, faith, and the power. And this book addresses what is a Talit? What does it represent? Who wore the tallit? And why was one worn? And why did the woman with the issue of blood touch Jesus's garment? And in this book, I give the readers a deeper understanding of what the tallit is and the symbolic meaning of the garment worn in the Old and New Testament, and even how it is used in present day cultures and ministries as well today. A lot of people who are listening right now, Stephanie, are authors who are just starting out. They haven't been published yet, but they want to be. So what advice could you give them? I would tell those listening, just write. If you're called to write and there's a book in you that needs to be birthed out, just write. And I truly believe that God will lead you and guide you on what to write and that it will impact someone's life, especially if you have a story. Tell your experience, because believe me, it will impact the lives of others. I think a lot of readers are going to be helped and encouraged by this book. The title is Process for Purpose, Volume 1. It's written by Stephanie Arrington, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can grab this one up everywhere, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Stephanie, it's been great talking with you here tonight. Thanks again for joining me on the show. And thank you so much for this opportunity. I really appreciate and I'm grateful and honored. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.